Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode. Hey, guess what? Before we get into it, you might have heard, I am drafted to the two Ramagpies as a part of the Carlton Draft. I'm going to be playing a game, dominating, kicking six, and then resetting at quarter time. For the first time in Carlton Draft history, one lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance to draft the AFLW GOAT, Erin Phillips, to play as a wild card. How bloody good's that? If you want to enter this now to get her down to your football club, visit thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com. Yes, welcome back to the tradies. Sam McClure and Mitch Cleary. Each week we chat the trading, the buying, and the selling of AFL players. My co-host is here. Mitchell, welcome. Fresh from Werribee, the mansion. Hi, Sam. Would have loved that beanie you're wearing. Very cold out there tonight at Werribee Mansion, but I'm back in time for the show. Good to so be here. So what were you doing out there? Out there bothering AFL CEOs and the AFL executives. Ah, yes, of course. The meeting of the minds. Yep. You got anything for us, for our listeners from out there? A uh, few little things, a little bit of micro Mitch we'll get to. Um, Would you want to get to it now? Yeah, well, micro Mitch. People, have, I've had requests from the people about more micro Mitch. That's great, rightly so. Well, we'll, we'll be the judge. So the eighteen AFL club bosses were out there. AFL executive, they get briefing. They were out there for most of today. That'll stay tonight. Most of them will stay tonight, and that'll go into <laughs> be a very quiet night. Oh. Where it be mentioned, there'll be no two hundred and eighty dollar bottles of Pinot coming out. Yeah, I saw a few people uh, imagine, imagine settling what, themselves in for a nice night. Yeah, goodness me. Um, and, you know, a range of different briefings. One of them was around the lists today, around CBA and soft caps and everything that comes with uh, the game. The big talking point tomorrow will be on Wednesday around the wildcard weekend discussion for 2024 and beyond, yep. whether they bring that in. But there was a little one today just around list uh, structures and, and where they go to from here. One big thing that clubs are trying to push for is opening up the rules around trading for players. So I'll take you back to last year when Port Adelaide were trading for Jason Horn Francis. They had their first round pick on the table. They had their future first round pick on the table. But what, and this is very micro Mitch, you can't trade your future first and your future second. Yep. So your hand, the handbrake goes on when it comes to, to trading around more than one future pick. Clubs want to be able to open that up uh, and be able to trade- Can't launch. Yeah, multiple right. picks in advance. So that was just one of the things being raised today. They haven't gotten to any resolution, but uh, I think that'll be thrashed out over the next few weeks before uh, I like it. well in time for trade period because it opens it up. Port Adelaide made a submission at the time to the AFL. It was knocked back, rightly so, given it wasn't in the rules, but I think we could see some movement there. The other thing is, uh, I don't know if it was formally raised today, but one other thing is trading two years in advance, and I think that'll be used more coming into Tassie time. So currently you can only trade your future first round pick, first picks for one year advance. For this year's trade period, you can only trade for 2024. Under that new model some clubs are pushing for, would be able to trade for 24 and mm. 25, which would open up a bit more player movement, which we love. You've come in hot tonight. You've steamed in. Well, I had to warm up in the car on the way. Yeah, before we get into the major things, mm. you had some homework that you didn't do last week. Please don't sit here and tell me that you haven't done it a second week in a row. I did do it. You watched seven. I watched it. Yes. Cost me $6 on Foxtel to download it for 48 hours, but I did it. $6? That's a lot. It was worth it. Oh. Great so, flick. I, I need some more information than this. Did you watch it with Kate? Yeah, I did. Does she now hate me for making her sit through that? She did say, maybe we can lighten the next one up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gruesome ending. Yeah. That's okay. There's no, spo- there's no spoiler that's here. No. Well, it's been around for 20 odd years, so. 1994. Five, I reckon. Yep. Off the top of my head. Good year for you. Best part of the, yeah, yeah. Blues won the flag. Morgan Freeman, three votes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I think that's probably reasonable. <laughs> yep. Two votes. Um, Kay Space had to get it, didn't he? Yeah, probably Space. He I, came in late. But yeah, he came in late. And then, yeah. Brad? P- 
Pitt gets the one. Yeah, not, Gw- not, not, Gw- not Gwyneth and, Gwyneth and her appendage. Gwyneth didn't get enough hang time. Wasn't enough oh, Gwyneth she got time. Some, she got some hang time at the end. Yeah, she did. But I uh, would have thought, had that movie been made a few years on, Gwyneth would have got a bit more uh, TV time. But no, I like it. Maybe I, I like the thought of maybe my next task coming over a fortnight. It gives me a bit more wiggle room for my next task. Okay, I'll wait another week until I give you okay. another movie. But yep. uh, yeah. For those who haven't seen seen it, go and see it. It is. I, I try to be in the happiest mood that you can be when you watch it. Don't be watching it hungover yeah. on a Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, but it's heavy. Yeah, David Fincher, one of the best directors probably the last fifty years. Fight Club, Zodiac, Gone Girl, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Kate actually did say she said Social Network for these a bit a bit of one of his oh, lighter yeah. films. Kate said I, re- I reckon Fight Club's coming next. If Sam's going with David Fincher, no, no, no. I, mean, I, I I did actually have. Some feedback from someone quite close to me that you've you've gone a little bit too dark with Mitch a bit too early. <laughs> so the next one's going to be a bit lighter. How's your week been? My week has been excellent. I've just been easing into it, yeah. steering clear of any arguments with anyone in footy. No, I've had a few blues in the last couple of weeks. Take us, just give us, just give us an insight oh, the into Nick one. Dacos, yeah, Brownlow clause story caused issues across the board. And sometimes you I did read that. Sometimes you get to the end of a story and. Everyone in the story has attacked you for it. And you think, geez, was there any win in that for me in the end? <laughs> for for a 250-word column item. No, it's a good headline. I know it's a good headline. But uh, yeah, anyway. That's I all. did say that you, you quoted, well, you didn't quote, you said two unnamed sources close to the scenario or, or close industry sources, I think. Mm. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, I think um, without getting too much in the journalistic bubble for our listeners, we're getting onto the whiteboard in a second. Um, for those who, people who read The Age, they would have noticed that there's been a fairly dramatic shift in sourcing regulations with mm. the paper. And so you now basically have to tell people about the number and the nature of your sources if they're not willing to go on the record, Yeah, which has caused some ish, some teething issues. And it's going to be very hard around trade period for people at The Age writing stories, but I only write a column there a week. So... It doesn't affect me as much as others. Trade sources don't tend to like to go on the record. <laughs> well, that's why they end up being trade sources because they stay anonymous. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Uh, hey, before we get into the whiteboard, please make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button. Uh, we're so grateful for all our loyal listeners and it feels like we've got a good base to work from. So thank you so much if you continue to listen. If it's your first time, welcome. But uh, yeah, you can rate and review the podcast after you listen. Mitch, the whiteboard. Yes. I just talked about stories that piss people off from all angles. I think we're going to do it again. We need to have a serious discussion around Harley Reid. Yeah. The number one pick. Because rumors in the industry have been circulating for weeks now, and I've had it put to me on very good authority from multiple people that I trust, that Harley Reid has essentially told the West Coast Eagles that he doesn't want to be drafted there. Right. Now, I, I want to be really specific for our listeners. I'm not dressing this up. And I'm 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 not saying that Harley has called someone at West Coast saying don't draft me. It's never that dramatic. But I, I think that there is some conversations that are starting to develop between the people that represent him and from um you probably know as much, if not more, about this stuff than me, Mitch. So please feel free to jump in. His uncle has been doing a lot of uh the the negotiations along with his manager, yeah. Nick Geishan, is that right? So the way it was put to me is there was a cavalcade of player managers wanting this kid. He decided at the start of 2023 which agent he was going to go with. He went with Nick Geishan, who's uh, with Connor Sports. Yep. But there was a number of people that had spoken to the Harley Reid family. Which is unsurprising. No, it's like Hugh McCluggage. I remember at the time there was agents doing the three-hour road trip back and forth to Warnable yep. to try and convince he and his family that they should go with them. Yeah. So it's no different when the best kid in the country starts a year without an agent that people were lining up to get him. Yeah. So- 
So I'm not saying... And it was through the uncle um, and the family, the wider family, a lot of that negotiation was done through. Yeah, yeah, totally. So there's always it's there's always a degree of grey in this. And again, I just want to be explicit so that if I end up getting quoted here, that there's the context here. I'm not saying that Harley or his uncle or Nick or anyone in his management has rung the West Coast Eagles and said, don't draft him. Okay. What I'm saying is that obviously he's going to be the number one pick, Yep. Um, barring any unforeseen tragedy, Touchwood. I think that there are conversations that are starting to go on with clubs that are interested and with the people connected to Harley yep. that, look, he may end up being the best version of himself if he stays in Victoria. Bailey Smith had the exact same conversations with clubs yeah. at, the, at the same time. It's not illegal. It's not against the rules. It's just something that is starting to happen a little bit more as um, these kids, and I, I, I don't mean that as a um, to be condescending, as these teenagers start to have a bit more of a status, Mitch, in the in the public eye. I mean, Harley Reid's taking selfies and signing autographs outside under-18 games, yeah. you know, at, at school games. Like, oh, he has been probably for 12 months. This didn't happen 10 years ago when, you know, players that, and now towards the end of their career, we're getting drafted. So a lot more people know who these guys are now. It's the TikTok age. It's just interesting to me that we're more willing to have those discussions around, well, maybe he doesn't have to go to West Coast. Now, me as an opinion, if I take my journalistic hat off and just as a footy fan, I like the idea that you have to go where you're drafted yeah. because it makes things even for the entire competition. The team who gets the number one pick invariably is going to be struggling. That's the kind of the beauty of it. If it gets to a situation where it's Jason Horn Francis and there's a combination of he's homesick from South Australia, plus maybe he doesn't feel like he's getting the best support from North Melbourne, plus maybe people at North Melbourne don't think he's the best fit for the club. They're rare situations. If that happens, well, then you work out a trade, which is what North Melbourne have done. I like the idea of the team who gets the number one pick having the option to take whoever they yeah. want. Now, I, I still think that West Coast will take him personally. Right. So back to what you're saying about these conversations, this is going through to clubs like North Melbourne, Hawthorne, clubs around the top who are being informed this. So you, when you're saying that Nick- Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think they're conversations that are starting to happen with various clubs. So you're saying the Eagles still haven't been informed this from Geish and Harley or his people? I think West Coast are aware. Right. Sorry, let me rephrase. Yeah. West Coast are aware that Harley- would prefer to stay in Melbourne. And that's coming from other clubs? No, no, that's that's coming from people connected directly okay. to, to Harley. Yep. That doesn't mean that they won't take him. It also doesn't mean that he, they're being told not to take him. I think managers and players and families are just trying to be as completely upfront as they want to be, probably because that power dynamic, that shift, has gone a little bit back towards the players. Now, Mitch, this has been happening for decades. Yeah. I mean, I think, didn't Andrew McKay back in the day say that he didn't, you know, he didn't want to be taken anywhere else. Like I think Chad Wingard. Chad Wingard was one. The Giants were keen on him, and I think it was yep. insinuated that he'd be best to go to the power. More recently, Archie Perkins. Been happening forever and a day. So I don't see it as the the big, juicy, sexy headline that others will. But I think for our, for our listeners, yeah. it's a really interesting one of, well, if you finish last and you get given the number one pick, you should be able to take whoever you want. Yeah, and that's what you're saying is it adds – for the team who's finishing last on the ladder, it's the best value for them. If clubs around West Coast know that he's more likely and West Coast are going to trade that pick and not get the best version of Harley at West Coast, mm. then it all of a sudden diminishes the value of pick one. Yep. So West Coast, if they were to decide to trade that, then they're not getting the true value of, of Harley Reid. They're getting... Yep. The, the other element of this, 
just before we get off Harley, I know we're going to talk about something, um, someone else soon, that should be mentioned, I reckon, Mitch, is that the management company representing him, so Nick Gation, managed, uh, which, who's the, the third manager for Connor Sports and is recently new. Yep. So Connor Sports originally was Paul Connor's, Robbie Drazio, and Mel, Mel Oberhofer, yep. who's now dominating as, I think, one of the head of partnerships for the Mercedes Formula One team. Yeah, she gets away with that. Lewis Hamilton most days. Amazing. And I get to work with you. Like for like. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nick Gieschen left TLA, one of the main rivals, and went to Connor Sports. Yep. Brought players like um, Ollie Wines and Clayton Oliver with him. Tom Barras. Tom Barras, yeah, so handy. Anyway, what I was going to say, just lastly on this, um, the Connor Sports players have a reputation for when they get drafted into the state, doing some time there. Yeah. And, and Paul in particular has been quite an advocate and there's multiple examples. Like, look at Ben King. Look at Adam Chera before he came back. Tom you know, Lynch. I think he wanted to leave after two years, and it was no sign another two. Do you know? At least give them four years, and then if it's still not working out, well, then we can move you back. Tom Lynch. Josh Kelly. Another have moved good example. Yeah. Wasn't in that same boat. So I, I haven't spoken to Paul about this, and deliberately because I didn't want to feel like I was getting swayed in in different ways. Because you know how you can get you can get talked into and out of stories before you you. you you go on and talk about it. My gut feel is Paul's probably telling Harley, mate, just go where you're drafted and do your time. And if worst comes to worst, it's a shit show. We'll, we'll, we'll get you back. But, you know, it's interesting. But Bailey Smith sort of won out in the end because he kind of alerted clubs and said, look, I probably prefer, he's really close to his mum and dad, probably prefer to stay in Melbourne. Mm. And he did. He didn't get drafted in his state. He gets taken with the Bulldogs at pick five. And um, he's had an excellent career up until this stage where he's starting to struggle and he's next. Let's talk about him given the week and, and the links to potentially him leaving the footy club. He is contracted for 2024. The Western Bulldogs missed the game, just gone through illness. He was bedridden with flu-like symptoms, had a shock of the week before playing at half forward and, and mostly in the, inside the forward 50. I'll throw this back to you on, on Bailey Smith. You know him better than most. Most people wouldn't understand the links you've got with Bailey dating back to junior footy, coaching him at Xavier College. Yeah. I, yeah, I've had a fair bit to do with Bailey throughout the years. He's one of the greatest humans you'll ever meet. I, I, I've never in my time seen a junior footballer work harder. Hey, he's just a, just a, a, story just a hard song, man. Weighing his food and- Yeah, and that, that was, in retrospect, a really difficult story for me to write because it was coming from someone that knew him quite well, but you've also got to separate yourself as a journo. I haven't I haven't spoken to Bailey about any of this, um, so I don't want it to- because I know people draw links between- the fact that we've known each other, but it's an interesting one. Like I said something on Footy Classified last week where I was just talking broadly around if his best footy's somewhere else. I think there's a lot of elements to this one, Mitch. Like we know he's had his troubles. He's been really open about that. But then there's also the whole element that Luke Beveridge just really enjoys mixing people in different positions. Worked for them in 2016. Yeah. You know, they almost won a game with... That won a uh, premiership with 14 midfielders and all spread around between the wings and half forward and in the center bounce and half back. And he's done it with a lot of different players. Bailey's the latest one. I just like, sometimes I get a sense that players and clubs are no longer working together. And, and this I, is one of those? Well, it, from a distance, it feels like it. I mean, like Geelong are clearly well into him and you know better than anyone. Geelong don't. Long don't just suddenly I think, have an idea and go, we're interested in Bailey. If if it emerges, as it did last week, that Geelong are interested in him, it means that, that Stephen Wells and Andrew Mackey have probably been watching the situation for a good 18 months because they're masters at this, Geelong. They're ninjas. They, they sneak up on you at the last second. 
they went to Jeremy Cameron a long way out. Yeah. Um, but that was obviously well known coming. He was getting, becoming a free agent. Patrick Dangerfield. It wouldn't shock me. Everyone you speak to at Geelong and you put the questions Jordan into Higgins. them, they say that there is nothing to see here well, with Bailey that, Smith. That's wrong. And that it's a common link drawn with Cotton On being a major sponsor of Geelong, Bailey Smith being the face of Cotton On, that that's the natural link. I think taking this, everything I've made calls on in Bailey Smith in the last month is that Geelong would be one of 12 to 14 clubs that would go hard for Bailey Smith Definitely. if if it got to the stage where the relationship with the Bulldogs was unrepairable. Now, this might be step one in that. I, I, I think there's still a long way to go. Bailey being playing out of position, he's been vocal in telling people close to him that he's unhappy not attending centre bounces and being forced out of position. That's obvious, and that's as best I know it to this stage. But in terms of Geelong being the front runner, I think there'd be 12 front runners and clubs willing to throw the kitchen sink at a player like Bailey Smith for his footy ability. But in 2023... His marketability. Absolutely. Yeah. Everything yeah. that comes with the package of Bailey Smith. Could you imagine him on the Gold Coast? Could you imagine him Goodness life me. after Buddy Franklin at Sydney? Yep. In the, the need for the most marketable player to young people right now in the comp. Imagine him at one of the most powerful sporting organisations in the history of the country, Collingwood. Like the, Dacos and... Anyway, yeah, Dacos up, and Bailey. Yeah. Throwing up hypotheticals, but... What, what's Geelong, his trade value? His value as a, as a pick. It has to be two first-rounders. Right now, if, if if he was under contract right now as a fifth year, so he's he's in year five right now, Bailey Smith. He's still got 10, 12 years of really really good footy left in him. Okay, let me put it to you another way, and this is this is so ridiculous that it's obviously a, a hypothetical. That's why I'm using it. If you were West Coast mm. and the dog said to you, "We'll give you Bailey Smith if you give us pick one," it's a good you, question. Are you taking ten years with Bailey Smith where you've got you've got exposed form and a guaranteed start at his best? Or you're taking a punt with, well, it sounds like Harley Reid's going to be a generational player, but we never really know until it happens. Well, can I ask one back to you before I answer that? Well, I don't really like the questions being answered with questions, but sure. Is he a future captain? Because if I'm doing that Bailey. for a player of his age, I want a bona fide captain material that will draw players and, and players will follow with me. And He's that- definitely got leadership qualities, yeah. But I'm drafting him more for his, his football. I mean, Kane Corns' column for the age a couple of weeks ago was outstanding when he talked about that final series. Yeah. The ice in the veins. And the ice in the veins. You know, he kicked, he kicked seven goals in two finals and mm. he, he looked like he was announcing himself as the next, well, whatever. Like, he was he was every bit as important to the Western Bulldogs at that moment as Marcus Bontempelli was. He was. And that, that is saying something. Given his running ability, yeah, the dogs see him now as a half forward who can use the running ability like one of the best players in the comp. Bailey sees himself as a midfielder. Well, I... Again, I haven't spoken to him. I think he's clearly a midfielder. He's not. To... He's not a push-up half forward. Yeah. For me, back to your question, I'm, I'm probably taking Harley, just given yeah uh, the, how people rank him. But it is, it is a good question. The other factor is when, as soon as you asked that question, my mind went to Tim English. You know, the Eagles might be having a look at him. Yeah. And well, they, you, are looking, you, they are looking. You, at him. you dropped that months ago here that they're looking at uh, English and Norton. Free agent next year. Two Tim WA English. boys, and isn't Norton the same? Is he? He's out of contact. So he's out of contract. He's out of contract in the next year. Not a free agent. Okay. Zach Fisher. I want to put him on my whiteboard. He Ooh, is he's a on. big watch. I, I admit, last year when I saw him re-sign, he has been talked about it. He has. Bit. Yep. No doubt. But last year when he was re-signed with a year to run on his contract to 2025, I thought that's interesting. WA guy. You always think could he one day end his career back in WA? But the Blues committed to him. Very close with Patrick Cripps. They lived together for a period of time. Uh, when Zach was first drafted to the Blues. So he's got very close links um, to everyone at Carlton. And I think there's still a chance he could stay and try and work through this. But given he's been dropped twice in the space of a month, now out of the side with a hamstring, 
I think for clubs in the West, particularly the Eagles, would be looking at the status of their list. Um, I'll bring up his age, Zach Fisher, but you'd think he'd hit right in that sweet spot. Zach Fisher should be 25. Yeah. Um, for someone that they could go after who would play 22 games next year. So, again, not necessarily has to be the WA sides, but um, he will, I think, given the way he's been fallen out of favour, be one that clubs will come for at the end of the year. Some questions that notice. Where was he taken in the draft? He was taken at pick 27 in the 2016 draft. Right. And so, yeah, okay. And and always what? threatened to, he always threatened in my view to become a top five, top 10 player at the Blues and just always yeah, yeah. has been around that sort of middle parts of the list. And then Petreski Seaton was a pick five and yeah. he left the West Coast for not much in the end as far yeah. as trade value. Unfortunately, Carlton just have a terrible record of guys that they invest heavily into in the draft, mm. falling out of favour, failing to be developed and ending up on the chopping block. I mean, there's a couple at the moment, Paddy Dow and Lockie O'Brien, two yeah. top 10 picks. Petreski Seaton, goodness gracious me, he was a pick five, wasn't he? Yeah. You know, and, and was talked about, uh, I think he played he played in the same team as Jesse Hogan. Okay. In, who did Hogan play for growing up? Hogan and, and Claremont. Claremont. Is it the same as uh, Cripps? I think Cripps was East Fremantle. Was Cripps a Freo boy? No. Yeah, East no. Freo because he was from- uh, He's from North, Northern Northampton. W. Okay. Yeah. Northampton, that's right. Yeah. A- anyway, I remember his, his, um, his coach in the under-18 said he was the most talented player, this Petrovsky Seaton, to come through that team mm. that he's ever seen and included the likes of Jesse Hogan. So- Claremont, he was. Claremont, right. Seaton. But he was from Halls Creek originally, Northern WA. Yeah, which is why I was- con- um, thinking about him and, and Cripps. So it would be it would be a shame to see another guy taken relatively early, you know, top mm. 30 pick and to leave and, and go for play for West Coast. But looks like he's struggling to get out. I mean, Cunningham has really ended up taking his spot, hasn't he? He has, As yeah. that forward that kind of pushes up into the midfield. Yeah, and Lockie Fogarty's had a good couple of weeks for the Blues too. I forgot about Fogarty. Yeah, got a three-year deal originally from Geelong. He was almost seen more of as a forward at Geelong. The Cats yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, didn't sort of see him as a midfielder. Um, even though he probably played his best footy as a midfielder, um, got squeezed out, some more opportunity at the Blues and has taken his chance in the last couple of weeks. Remember all the people six weeks ago that were coming out questioning whether Carlton's list was good enough? They've suddenly gone quiet. <laughs> like all, he whispered that. All of a sudden. Mm. It was an embarrassing take for anyone who's at that. It was an embarrassing take. Yeah. Can I just talk? They've got stars and they've got depth and they still might miss the eight. They do. Do you subscribe to the theory that the pressure's gone off so this is why they're playing a bit better? This is air raid siren sort of stuff, non-trade chat, but just a pure footy question. Is that the air raid siren I can hear? Yeah, yes, it is. Thank you. Uh, yes, I do subscribe to that theory, the Nathan Buckley theory. I was at the Bucks theory. Yeah, he was the one I think that brought that up with our man Cornsey on radio last week. One more whiteboard, just quickly, before you go. I want to stay with the Blues. I want to get to my man at Richmond in a moment. Just on the Blues, Harry Mackay's injury, out for six to eight weeks. My theory around this is this could cost Carlton hundreds of thousands of dollars. Is this a whiteboard entry or... Uh, well, we've got dressing it up Jack Silvani white- and TDK okay. already up there. Right. I was about to say, you're putting Harry on the whiteboard. So Jack Silvani was in and out of the side a couple of weeks ago. Don't even start me. I know how big of a fan you are of Jack. Well, no, I just, I'm just i a fan of players who are good. That's all. And not a fan of dropping players who are good. That's Kicks all. four goals on the weekend against the second best team in the competition when Harry Mackay went down. Mm-hmm. With injury, he's gone now from a player on the fringes at Carlton, who I reckon two or three weeks ago the Blues may not have even considered offering him a substantial contract. If one of them, happy for him to explore yep. the market and could well be that, given he's a unrestricted free agent. But now Harry Mackay is out for six weeks. Jack Silvani is going to be a pivotal part of this finals tilt now for the Blues. Mm. So, do so you if, think they're going to be forced to re-sign him on bigger money? If if Jack Silvani plays the best six weeks of his life and he's started pretty well on the weekend, is gone. 
with Harry Mackay out, Silvani suddenly goes from a fringe player who was being trialled as a defender a month ago yeah. to now being the second banana as as a full forward next to Charlie Curnow. What if he comes out and kicks 24 goals in the next six weeks? Okay, can- well, I mean, you, you, you're just you're not putting any pressure on him at all. <laughs> 24 <laughs> goals in six weeks. I was going to say 20, but 24 sounded better. <laughs> Maybe 15. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that it's a really interesting spot now for the for the Blues yep. list and where they go to from here around Mackay's injury will open up spots for Jack Silvani next to and, Charlie Curnow and Tom DeConing. And and also you're missing one as well, Jack Martin. Yeah. Who's coming out of – yeah. like Martin and McGovern were both, you know, on the chopping block, block and gone and both had good games on the weekend yep. and have been playing fairly good footy. So you're right, the Blues turnaround may end up costing him at the uh, – Martin has one year to run. Just Oh, does he? Yes. Oh, so he signed a five-year deal originally. This you is year sure? four. I'm pretty sure this is year four of his five-year deal. Oh, I thought that both Martin and McGovern were out this year. But I stand to be correct. You are Micro Mitch, so you would know more about Jack Martin's contract. I've got that on my spreadsheet here. Do you actually have a spreadsheet? Yeah. Really? Yeah. See, I'm just not a spreadsheet guy. I love my spreadsheets. No, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hand notepad sort of, sort of guy. Yeah. So this is year four for the Blues for Martin. He signed a five-year deal, so he's got one to go. So just to our listeners, I promise you this is not showmanship. I had no idea that Mitch actually has his own spreadsheet about player contracts. That is what makes him <laughs> the best. Uh, one whiteboard item. Okay. Hugo Ralph Richmond. Came in with all excitement, the mullet, the Bailey Smith style yes. hair. We thought he was going to be the next big thing off halfback and off the wing. Sub on the weekend, been in and out of the side. The Giants had a look last year, given the relationship he had with their new coach, Adam Kingsley. Mm. They were told pretty quickly, there's nothing to see. He's staying at Richmond. Then under contract, he's now out of contract this year. I think he's one up for grabs. Well, clearly he hasn't re-signed, so he is formally being out of contract. He's one for clubs to discover at the end of the year. And who knows, the Giants could have another look, given the relationship he's got with their new coach, who's all of a sudden got his side humming Adam Kingsley at the moment. Almost air raid sirens as, as well towards him. <laughs> all right, so you go up and put Zach Fisher and Hugo or Ralph Smith on your whiteboard. It's a growing list. Uh, yes, we should actually, uh, we should tweet out and TikTok out the uh, the whiteboard. Maybe once uh, we've done it in print, because I don't want anyone to see my handwriting. Uh, let's talk about Brody Grundy. And we're going to start with something Simon Goodwin said not too long ago about Brody and the esteem in which he's held at the Demon Land. He's obviously put in a power of work through the summer and um, he's now at a club that really values what he brings to his team. And, um, we're certainly going to embrace that. It's a media watch segment. It's back. It's back. Popular demand. I like that. Five weeks ago, that was Simon Goodwin in the lead up to the King's, King's birthday. Right. Where he kicked a goal against his, goal against his old club and yeah. they won and everything was hunky-dory. We value him. Relationship with Max thriving. Pie's paying two hundred and fifty to $300,000 a year of his five-year contract. Mm. And so then the everyone's, weekend- everyone's had their say, Mitch, in the last mm. week around, you know, what do they do and- Will he get back into the team? And But we look at things through a slightly different lens. What does this all mean for Melbourne's list management come come the end of the year, do you think? Everyone's thinking, geez, Melbourne have made a mistake. They're going to have egg on their faces. I don't think that. No one wants this to work more than Simon Goodwin, Tim Lamb, and Alan Richardson, the, man, the men who made this decision. Yep. Because they're going to be aligned to this decision, and they're the ones that, that back this in and want it to work. But it's not as though they dropped him and they're losing – like they looked a lot better yeah. in there, so it's hard, right? I mean, we have we haven't done it for a couple of weeks, but we started with here with a segment of over unders mm. and talked about how much guys on big money that are underperforming hurt you yep. from a list management perspective. They hurt you less if they're playing in the VFL 
on form and you're winning. That's true. Now, we've only got a small sample size of one game, but Max Gorn was close to the best player on the ground. Mm. But it does become a fascinating proposition, and I can't remember too many of them, where a guy is, because of form, on huge money playing in the twos, but the side is playing well and contending for a flag. I can't remember too many scenarios around that. No, I can't think of too many at all. And I've got a couple of names for overs-unders later about yeah. big money players playing in the twos, but it's different when they're playing in the twos and the club's contending. Yeah, and it's a good short-term fix right now because you, you, you're winning, Max Gorn's playing well, but you don't need $650,000 essentially what they're paying Brody Grundy right now to be playing and running around in a 14-on-14 VFL scratch match like he was on Saturday morning. Were you there? I was. Of course you were there. It was hard to get a read on. Was there anyone else there? There was a couple of other cameras. and uh, (laughs) Greg Stafford, the forwards coach, was there. What time was the game? Uh, 11 o'clock. Did you you drive out there by yourself? Yeah, I spoke to Brody on 9am actually as he arrived. Well, you doorstopped him? Yep. In the car park? Yes. Was he sort of, was he shitty that you wanted to talk to I think he knew that we were there beforehand and he was happy to play ball, answered three or four questions and said, thanks, I'm on the way in now. Because he's very polite. He is. And he's very reflective. He's a deep figure as Brody. Yep. He doesn't watch a lot of footy media. He wouldn't be listening to this. Well. Unless it pops up on his TikTok. Hang on. I'm at mainstream (laughs) footy media. We're different. We're Um, niche. But he said, I'm professional. I need to have a crack. Sorry. Um, Your phone has been ringing. I'm worried about Non-fucking stop (laughs) since we started recording. And it's giving me the (laughs) irrits. I'll put it over there. Yeah. Just put it on the floor or something. Right now, it's fine for Grundy to be playing twos, but this can't r- drag on for much longer. Max Gorn is 32 at the end of the year. Brody Grundy is 29. So the view is that, oh, you know, Max Gorn's only got a couple of years left. But Brody Grundy doesn't want to be sitting in the twos having his career rot away for the next 18 to 24 months. Particularly if that's not what he was sold. Yeah. Like if him and Robbie Durazio, his manager, were sold in that meeting with Melbourne, that, hey, Max is going to finish his career mainly as a forward. And you're going to transition into being the key ruckman. Yeah. And then 17 rounds in, they've worked out it's they don't like it, and they've actually told Brody to go back and work on his Ford craft as mm. a 29 year old. Like the the details are crucial in this one, insofar as working out what's unjust and what's not. Yeah. The other layer of context to this is end of last year when this was being pitched and all of this was being worked through, Max actually had a groin injury that not many people knew about. He played through last year's final series pretty sore. Sore, yeah. So the view at Melbourne at the time was. How much longer can this guy be at the peak of his powers? Yeah, which is not an unreasonable view. He may need to play out of the square. We constantly criticise clubs and give yeah. them shit for not thinking ahead enough. Mm. So so that's why I find it difficult to castigate Melbourne for this one. Mm. But if but they were, if they were 10th or if they were having a yeah. if they were having a, a season like Sydney mm. where they'd fallen off a cliff and they couldn't get this to work and they're paying all this bloke to play the paying this money to this bloke to play the twos. You could sort of understand. Yep. But the fact is I know they haven't been haven't been great the last six weeks, but they've put themselves in a position to have another crack, haven't they? They have, and I'm still not putting a line through it for this year. Neither. N- not, nor am I. I think it could still turn around. i just like to see Melbourne go back to their word and see Gorn play a bit more forward if that was the way it was pitched to Brody. Hello, my beautiful friends and family. Guess what? I am back. I am back. Third time lucky. My third time drafted in my life. I'll be making a return to footy as a part of the Carlton Draft, along with some big household names. Not as big as my name, but uh, some quite big names. Isaac Smith, Trent Cotchin, Matty Lloyd, Lee Montagna. Some of the all-time greats of our game, as I've just mentioned. One lucky Victorian women's community club will get the chance 
to draft the AFLW GOAT Aaron Phillips to play as a wild card. How bloody good is that? If you're a part of women's community footy and you are keen to get Aaron down, enter now at thecarltondraft.com.au. That's thecarltondraft.com.au. Let's get to this. Nuts and bolts. It, it, it's, look, it's quickly becoming the, the, the engine room the segment. of tradies, isn't it? You take nuts and bolts out and it's just... It's just me giggling about movies and you doing you doing micro Mitch, really. So we have to we have to keep delivering for the people. T- talking about Melbourne, mm. I want to talk about Jake Lever. Yep. And I want to go back to July 15, 2017. So it's almost six years ago to the day. Mm-hmm. Adelaide play Melbourne in Darwin. Jake Lever is one of the rising stars of the competition. Mm-hmm. Key position, intercept marker, lovely kick, athletic, good height, great character, and he's out of contract. And the Crows are the best team in the comp at this stage. Yes, they were, which is a p- part of the, the context that I wanted to build here, Mitch. So the Crows are flying. They, of course, play in a grand final in 2017. Granted, that didn't go the way they wanted. But there's a lot of rumours and a lot of murmurs around some um, disharmony in the Adelaide playing cohort, um, Mitch McGovern being one of them, mm-hmm. Jake Lever being the other. Now, this is pre-camp, by the way. We're not touching the camp. I'm just saying it's pre-camp. Charlie Cameron left at the end of 17 as well, didn't he, to go to Brisbane? Charlie Cameron left before the camp, correct. Yeah. Um, so in on August 1, 2017, a couple of weeks later, a report emerges that Jake Lever has met with Melbourne players in Darwin. Who reported that? Someone very credible. So it's it was definitely right. She's I had a good year that year. Did you? <laughs> yeah. It was you, wasn't it? It was me. <laughs> it was me. And, and so 2007, so what, I'm 26 at this stage. And I'm, I'm just like transitioning from a nervous, dweeby little reporter to a bit of an arrogant fucker that is just kind of go, going hard on stories. <laughs> what was your turning point? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, it was. Th- this was the year. This was the year. I was just starting to- you were at SEN. I took your role on Sports Day from yeah, memory. Jared Healy, yep. So yep. there was a vacancy there and I slotted into that show. Anyway, people don't want to hear about me. If they do, I'm happy to do a separate pod just about me. We'll fill a couple of hours. Um, <laughs> a week. <laughs> we won't struggle for content. No, no, no. So, so I reported that uh, first of all, it was 2017. And then Jake Lever got asked on Adelaide Radio- because, um, you know, there's only a couple of radio stations in Adelaide, so they get everyone they want. Is this between you and Rue again? <laughs> no. And Jake calls the uh, calls the story laughable. And so, so I had I had tangible evidence about Jake. And by the way, but can I just say, and we should do a whole segment on this. When you're picking places to meet opposition staff, maybe wait until you're away from Darwin where there's not many cafes to pick from. So he met Tim Lamb and the Melbourne list management team in Darwin. No, with the players. Right. Players in Darwin after they played. Okay. Now, you know, Joe Danaher being spotted by Adam Tomlinson on his Harley Davidson riding through Balmain seeing Tom Harley. Jay, you're you're a bit stiff. Yeah. I'll put my hand up. You're a bit you're a bit stiff. Jake, if you want to meet with Melbourne players halfway through a year, pick someone better. Pick somewhere better than Darwin, please. Was it shenanigans? What do you mean shenanigans? That's the bar, like the famous bar in Darwin. Oh no, it was a cafe. Scotty is all over it. Scotty, <laughs> Scotty, our producer, well aware we're all the bar. Anyway, so. 
Back to the context of the game. Now, the Ds are not going very well compared to the Crows. They won 10 games in 2016, 12 games in this year of 2017. So they're just building. And it's the first year of Simon Goodwin. Yeah. Of course, former Adelaide um, star, seen largely along with Marcus Schutto, one of the greatest Crows, to ever don a jumper. And although Adelaide won that game um, easily, that day, these are some of the players that were in that team under Simon Goodwin. Clayton Oliver, Christian Petrarca, Max Gorn, Jesse Hogan, Jordan Lewis had 33 disposals. So they were selling him the vision. Adelaide were always adamant that he would stay mm. and and never even entertained the thought of him um, moving, as they were with Mitch McGovern, who was contracted. But eventually he went to them and said, I want out. And it ended up being a huge trade. So it was two first rounders for Lever, a second rounder, and a future third. And I think looking back, Melbourne have done pretty well there. They've coughed up a lot, but he has got them a lot. He's been he's been worth that trade. He has. For what he's brought on the field and what he's brought culturally. And the start, I reckon he was injured in his first year or two at the Demons too. We were all questioning it. And yep. then when they added Stephen May, I put my hand up and thought, at the time, they weren't one of the first clubs to commit so much money to two key backs. Yeah. It hadn't what? been done. It was more, at the time, the midfielders and the forwards, the key forwards were very much in vogue. Mm-hmm. Not many clubs had committed. No. What would that be? Two, close to $2 million, well, you know, probably 1.6 for two key backs. And Mitch, without getting off topic too much here, it's one of the big talking points around Melbourne's list build. They've invested in the mids and the backs. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, say like a Carlton, which have invested a lot of money in their forwards. Yeah. But that's one of the reasons they've been struggling to find. That's why they've had to had makeshift forward lines with your Ben Browns and your Tom McDonalds and your Jake Melksham's. Mm. And, you know, they've been able to draft a Van Royen and hopefully get him through. But Because he was a great draft pick too. That, uh, correct. But they haven't had the money. And that's why Lee, that, uh, sorry, Lever, that's why Jackson was such a loss for them. Yeah. Um, but they haven't had the money when your Tom Lynch's have come up for grabs and your Ben King's have been talked about. They just simply didn't have the, the money available because of the investment in main lever. But it got them a flag. And as far as I'm concerned, if it gets you a flag, everything else is fine. Absolutely. Is your phone ringing again? Yeah, I don't know why I picked is, it up. Is it, is it Kate or is there something is something happening? Or is there a story that I'm not aware of? No, there's not. Or are your TikTok notifications just on? TikTok's airborne. What, yours or just the, the app in this, general? The show, everything. Probably use TikTok more than I do Instagram now. Really? Yeah, sorry to make it. I've just hijacked nuts and bolts. But I like that. That is... No, I'm done. That is a big part and probably the part why Melbourne won the flag. That meeting on July 15, 2017, if they don't have it with Jake Lever, I don't think they win the flag. Very well put. Thank you. I appreciate that. Moving on. Overs, unders. What have you got for us? I just spent the last five minutes talking. Well, we spoke about Brody Grundy, about big contracts, big players playing VFL. I just want to talk about one player who is on a big contract not massive money, but Jake Saligo at Adelaide has flown under the radar. What he's got a contract. Jake? He's just a young man. What? Second year player. He's cooked. He's had a big year. You're going after a second year. He's got a contract till 2020. Jeez, you have become a nasty prick, haven't you? <laughs> it's just in the context of the Grundy stuff. A 20, he's you got a contract. one movie with Kevin Spacey <laughs> being, <laughs> being the murderer and you've turned into a prick. Contract till 2029 and he was dropped on the weekend. Yeah, I was surprised. I want to just put that in context around Jake Saligo. He's going to be a star long term for the Crows. And it's the he and Rochelle partnership. Housemates moved in together at the time. Rochelle is going to be a mega star for the Crows and probably already is in that market. Having both commit long-term to the footy club, both five, six-year contracts, doing the contracts back to what we spoke about last week in terms of signing and aligning guys, the Rochelle-Saligo partnership is a mm. big, big part of why the Crows are going to go in the future. So you've got him for unders. <laughs> Nasty. Unders at the moment. Um, 
I mentioned this a little earlier in the pod. So can we just use Brody Grundy as an over-unders? Can you think of, off the question, second question without notice, mm. the most expensive players to play in the VFL who are not returning from injury? So blokes who have been dropped. So I'll give you a one that springs to mind. Yeah. Jared Polek. Yes, that was a big one. 750 plus. Yeah. Playing for a team that wasn't very good. I mean, they moved into the rookie list as well. Yeah, time. that was a, a sad, sad mm. story in the end. And and St Kilda were trying to get him as well and offered huge cash for him. Well, you mentioned St Kilda. Dan Hanbury wasn't in that boat. He was always returning from injury, wasn't he? Yeah, he was never never dropped, I don't think. What about Tom Boyd, the million-dollar man? Did he play? I reckon he would have been I reckon he was dropped. Yeah. Premiership player, though, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, tick it off. Our listeners will have a few. At Tradies Podcast. Yeah, the Instagram. most expensive players to be playing in the twos on form. Yeah. Because uh, Brody Grundy getting a million dollars a year, $83,000 a month to play in a 14 on 14. <laughs> That's not what he would have thought when he went to the days. No, and I'll give him credit from what I saw in the weekend. He had a crack. Oh, he's, forward he's pressure. the ultimate. He knew. He's he the knew, ultimate professional. Yeah. All eyes were going to be, the cameras were following him for the entire session, but he laid four or five big tackles to prove to Melbourne that he can apply a little bit of that forward pressure. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for him and Max Gorn having sharing a bottle of red. That's a segment we brought in actually earlier in the year. Was fly that? on the wall. Did, remember we had the bzzz. Did you? Was it your segment? Yeah. That's why I don't remember. <laughs> was that, that was a fake fly Channel 7 laugh then. That was a fake Channel 7 laugh. You developed. Oh, 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 back to you, Tim. There you go. Yeah. That's, yeah. I do like Tom's chuckle. <laughs> Tom's crops. got a great chuckle. Is that something I need to work on? No, no. I just think you need to work on when you're doing the Saturday scoop, actually giving a scoop. <laughs> uh, As opposed to just you and Nat just sitting there reading headlines. I drove to Casey for 9am to speak to Brody Grundy for the scoop. I'm sorry, with, with their violins playing that I was not aware of? Are you now complaining about doing your job? <laughs> Jesus. Just, just explaining the lengths we go to for the Saturday scoop. Uh, before we go, we've talked a bit around um, no more gaps. Mm. We haven't done it for a little while, but you were keen on talking about one particular club here. I want to do a mini no more gaps around St Kilda based off this quote from Ross Lyon in the post-match press conference on the weekend, scathing on his team that still sits inside the eight, but we're embarrassed by Gold Coast at Heritage Bank Stadium. We spoke about a year of exploration. I just feel when our top flights aren't really going, there's not enough quality to step up and take the load off them. Um, as harsh as that might be, but... Amazing comments, really, from a senior coach. Definitely. You don't hear that. They stood out to me. Yeah. And even Jack Steele speaking today on, on Tuesday was that the top line has performed our second and third tier guys, to paraphrase Jack Steele. Yeah. Our second and third tier guys haven't stood up in the last six weeks. That was what he said at the press conference today. So in this segment, we've pr- traditionally spoken about, does a t- team need a key back? Does it key forward? I think the Saints just need class, listening to what Ross Lyon said. And you can see why last year... Under a diff- different list management team, they went so hard at Jordan Ngoi, offered him a million dollars a season to move to Moorabbin. That didn't work. Right now, in my view, and, and taking Ross Lyon's comments on face value there, they're dismissing class and match winners, players with X Factor, because they don't have enough of them at the moment, Sam. I've just got my little, um, little season guide here. I'm just going through who I think. Who are your actual top liners at St Kilda? King? Yep. Jack Steele? Yep. Hill? Maybe he's had a good, he's had an okay year under his old coach, but I wouldn't call him a, a top liner in modern footy. Brad Crouch, I think he's a, a solid midfielder in the modern game. I don't think he's a match winner. Zach Jones, no, nah, not not now. He's been too injury prone. Only played two games back. I, I think Cal Wilkie 
is it in terms of top line? He's, he's not. Yeah. Um, he hasn't missed a game. Hasn't missed a game. He's probably all Australian this year. So in terms of he's a top liner. Yeah. Clark and Caulfield are the two that hurt him. They are they, two they, top ten picks. Yeah, and, and they're just you know blokes that shouldn't have been taken in the top ten. Injuries hit both of them so hard. Yeah, but I don't think like I think they're both top thirty picks. Looking back, easy for mm. easy for me to say now. Yeah, but yeah, no, I did find myself going through St Kilda's list when Ross said that and think. Not only is he right about under our top line, but there's not many top liners. I'll give them one thing. Under the previous management, James Gallagher, who was uh, who departed the club at the end of last year, they went hard at their last Previously two drafts. Previously an investment banker. He was and played a few games for the Crows. Mm-hmm. Filippo last year. Yep. And that was, I don't know if James was there at the time, but he was part of the year for, for last year. And then Nazai Wangani Miller, I think he's going to be a star. Yeah. And, and they, they caught, really they, well to re-sign him. They copped some flack. For yeah. taking Wanganine Miller at the pick before Josh Sin. Yes. Who was a Victorian boy who grew up down the road from Moorabbin, Sandringham mm. boy. Yep. And there was some thought of, you know, why would you take a risk on a Wanganine Miller who might end up going home yeah. when you've got a bloke who grew up down the road, I think grew up barracking for the Saints. Mm. And that looks like a good decision from from here anyway. Oh, it's just a matter of Wanganine Miller, the go-home factor. I think 12 months ago, people at the Saints would have thought he was – halfway at uh, at the door to go back to, to South Australia, but they've done really well to re-sign him. So both of those guys, I think, to use Ross Lyons' analogy, is they're emerging top liners, but you can see why they went so hard for Dugowie last year. And Stephen Silvani said as much last year in the audio we played on this show earlier this year from Trade Radio at the end of last year. They need some more A-graders, to paraphrase Sauce from the time. They need some more players with leadership and that can stand up in the big moments. Nice work. You've been huge this week. You've been... I mean, you're huge every week, but this is... Feel like you come, you come in all guns blazing. You did. The, you did. You, you fight it too hot. You fight a few shots. Yeah. What's on this week? Going to Adelaide for the Pies and the Power Top Two Clash. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, what what day is that? What Saturday day is the night. Game? Oh, see. Okay. We're scooping from over there. Don't use it as a verb. <laughs> Don't. Um. Okay. Where where's where does Seven put you up? Uh, on I Saturday night. The itinerary. Intercont. I actually haven't checked the itinerary. Okay, be some sort of CBD. bougie four or five star hotel. I love Adelaide. Everything's close. Well, it's very small, so it's by, by nature everything has to be close. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I won't be going to Adelaide. No, 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 just another quiet weekend. Yeah. Yep. Staying out of trouble. Steak in the oven. Um, I actually got an air fryer for my birthday. You did say that? What, what was you take us through the first week of the air fryer? Yeah, no, it's, it's it's had some stuff go through at the air fryer. What have we done? We've done um, some sweet potato. Yeah. Uh, Choppers fries. Yeah. Uh, no. Nah. No, just just roughly. Yeah. Uh, I've had a steak in there. Yeah. Uh, I've had a an, a salmon fillet. Love a good salmon. Uh, I think that's it. Oh no, we've had some chicken in there as well. Yeah. Some coconut chicken. So is the oven feeling a bit left out now? Oh, the oven's gone. Yeah. Yeah, and no, I say goodbye to the oven, but it's a rental, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Unless houses going to be built with ovens now as a result of air fries, we're getting into areas that I just don't think we should. Oh, you, I mean, you're now a homeowner in, in the salubrious like, suburb of Is Middle the Park. air fryer Max I'm, Gorn and the oven is Brody Grundy? Jesus. Anyway, thank you for joining us on <laughs> Tradies. Follow us on Spotify or iHeart or subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your pods. I'll see you next week.
Thank you for listening to another Producey podcast. If you enjoyed the show, it would be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, subscribe, tap the bell, leave a review, or even share it with your friends. So if you want to get in touch, share feedback, suggestions, or to advertise with one of our podcasts, then simply email hello at producey.com. Thanks for tuning in.